Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Ebenezer. My name is Grace and I'm on the pastoral team here. If you joined us online or are here in person this morning, we are so glad that you have joined us uh, this morning and we look forward to worshiping our God together today. Before we get into our service, I have quite a few reminders for our our church family uh, coming up and so please be patient with me as I go through them. First of all, for our children, age six to grade six, Registration opens today for our summer kids camp happening July 11th to 15th. The theme of our uh, kids camp this year is the incredible race and it sounds really exciting. So um, ask one of your parents to go to our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to register you or if you're here in person there are registration forms at the coffee station in our foyer. Our next announcement is for our teens. Now if you are in grade 5 grade 8 or grade 12, this announcement is for you, so listen carefully. This is a transition year for you with regards to our youth and college and career ministries here at Ebenezer. And we want to help you to begin to make those transitions. So if you are currently in grade 5, you are invited to join the Junior Youth Ministry on Tuesday nights beginning May 31st. If you're currently in grade 8, you're invited to join the Senior Youth Ministry on Wednesday nights beginning June 1st. And if you're currently in grade 12, you are invited to begin coming to college and career beginning June 2nd. And the leaders there are ready to help you make this transition and to connect you with others that are already involved. Well, also coming up this summer is an opportunity to participate in the Global Leadership Summit, August 4th and 5th. As the host site, we receive a special discount rate of $129. So to access this rate, register at the GLS table on Sundays or contact the church office. You know, this special rate only lasts till June 15th, so make sure you get uh, onto that sooner than later. And also, if you're a full-time student, you can even get a better rate at $99. So contact Tracy for more information on getting in on that price. Well, being a host site also requires volunteers in various uh, areas. And again, contact the office or connect with Tracy at the GLS table at the back today to get more information about how you can volunteer. I hear that volunteering for GLS comes with some perks, including being fed throughout the day, not bad, and to uh, take in the summit for free, as well as working with a great team of people. And finally, but not least, is our volunteer celebration and farewell for Pastor Kelly taking place this next Sunday at 2.30 at the Forestry Farm. Now this is for everyone, not just our volunteers. Uh, Let's gather as a family, and that includes our online family. If you're new to Ebenezer, if you've been here a long time, young and old, and everyone in between. Please join us at 2.30. There will be a baseball game, some organized games for kids, Uh, an opportunity to go through the zoo or or do other activities that you might bring with you. But mostly it's a time to gather and uh, as a family and to say some thank yous to our volunteers as well as a farewell uh, appreciation time for Pastor Kelly as he retires from full-time pastoral ministry. 
Thank you for staying with me this long, and I will turn the time over now to our worship team. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you here in person, and for those watching online, it's, it's good that you've tuned in with us today. Uh, Ashley and Grace, thank you for leading us in worship. And Grace, I really loved your prayer this morning. It just brought us into the presence of God. Um, I want to especially welcome a few people. I want to welcome Ashlyn and her mom, Carolyn, who is here today. And so uh, three days early, so one up on the keener category for, for you. So that's really good. So they're just sitting over by the sound booth there. And so uh, if you remember Ashlyn, you can go and welcome her officially to be, she's going to join our staff team officially on Wednesday. And her mom is here today. So it's good to see you. So welcome here. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue, continue our sermon series, uh, Covenant Community. And our focus is going to be on a renewed commitment to be a spiritual family together. Now, whether you've been part of the Ebenezer family for many years, or whether it's just been a very, very short time, uh, once again this morning, I want, I want us to all think about what it really means to be the church. And what I mean by that is what it means to be a, a true spiritual family, where its, its members genuinely love each other, and where we tangibly care and support one another in ways that bring glory to God. Now, as promised, uh, we're going to return to the text that I spoke on a few weeks back when I kicked off this series, which is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them up there this morning? And I'm going to be reading from uh, the New Living Translation, just for a different translation from what I did before, although I'm going to be speaking from the New International Version. Okay, so let's, this is what it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters... We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the whole most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For, we, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not give up meeting together as some people do. But instead encourage one another, especially now that we see the day of, of Christ's return drawing near. Uh, it's a great passage of Scripture. Uh, it's, it's full of rich truths for us. And contained in this passage are our two foundational truths of what it means to be the church. The first uh, I addressed a couple of weeks ago, and that, and that is this, that as followers of Christ, we are recipients of a new covenant. And as I said then, uh, that rea the reality of this truth actually changes everything. Now, first of all, it changes our relationship with God. Uh, this new covenant gives us a privilege that the Old Testament saints only dreamed that one day would be possible, that we would have unlimited access to God. Because of Jesus, uh, you and I now have access to God in a way that would have been inconceivable to the people living under the Old Covenant. Uh, through Jesus, we can, we can draw near to God, the, the Holy God, the Almighty God, any time, anywhere for any reason. 
And if you know anything about the Old Testament sacrificial system, you'll, you'll know just how amazing that, that truth is. The second truth is, is it changes our relationship with one another. As followers of Christ and as recipients of a new covenant Jesus established, we are now members of a new family. And this is the truth that we're going to focus on today because it's the central truth in helping us renew our commitment to be a spiritual family together. Now, as I did uh, for, the, for the first two sermons in the series on, on Renewed Heart, this morning I'm going to look at the theology around spiritual family. And then next Sunday, Pastor Kelly is going to come and speak at some of the practical ways that we can be a spiritual family together and what it looks like to, to, make, to renew our commitment to that area. So before we, we actually dig into the Hebrews passage, let me first of all give you a brief theology of community and family that we find in the Scriptures. You're going to see as you open the Bible that throughout the Scriptures, God places a, a high, high value on spiritual family. It begins right in the very first pages of the Bible in the creation story. And if you were to open the, the Bible and read the first two chapters of Genesis, you would notice this recurring phrase that happens throughout the entire creation story. Each day, as God looked over what he had made that day, the Bible says that, that God says, he looked and he said, he saw that it was good. Even adding on the last day that he saw that it was very good. The only exception to this was after he created Adam. And this time he said, it's not good. And what, what wasn't good? Well, he qualifies that. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. You see, from the very outset of humankind's appearance on earth, God already knew that we would need others to be in community with. And we know that, that, that both uh, intuitively and experientially as well. You know, for example, uh, I don't know, I was going to ask introverts to raise their hand, but that wouldn't be a, a good thing to do, right? So let's just imagine that the most introverted person here this morning and, and a you know, person who, who loves to be alone. And if we were to take you and put you in a room by yourself for a month, I guarantee by the end of the month, you would just long to be with people because it's, it's wired into us. Now, I, I wish we could all experience something like this to prove how much we need community. Like, if there was a way to kind of isolate us for an extended period of time where we were cut off from workplace and social circles and church community and even our friends and family, uh, then we would realize how much we really need community. Okay. Uh, one of the uh, things that we, the pandemic has shown us is that we really do need community. And it's shown us how negative or how bad isolation is for us. And I just want to just talk about isolation just for a second from a couple different angles. So we know that isolation had, had a devastating effect on the elderly in seniors' homes and caused dramatic health decline in many of those people. We know that uh, forced isolation during the pandemic had a huge mental health impact on all age groups in every sector. We know that isolation played a significant role in, in polarizing our society because people lost the, the checks and balances that are, are part of life and rubbing shoulders with one another. And they, they became more of who they were, which is not always good, right? Sometimes we need to be less of who we really are. Um, and even in nature, I was just thinking about this, isolation is one of the strategies that predators use to, to capture their prey. 
right? They, they try and isolate uh, an animal from its family or its herd because they know if they can do that, that they're going to be easy prey for the predators. And in the unseen battle raging all around us in the spiritual realm, one of the prime strategies of the enemy is to isolate people and, and pull us away from not only God, but from the people of God. Because the devil knows that if he can isolate us from like-minded people in the spiritual family, we're more at risk to believe his lies and move down a path of destruction. And so when, when the Bible says that it's not good for man to be alone, we can, we can quickly and we can fully agree with that statement. Now, in the creation story, God solved the problem of isolation by making a perfect partner for Adam, a person he could relate to and work alongside and enjoy. Now, how did God know that we would need to be in community with others? It's, it's actually because we're made in the image of God. And we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, where God speaking, he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Being made in the image of God means that we are made to live and move in community with others because God eternally existed in perfect community as Father, Son, and Spirit. And that is, uh, by the way, why you and I and every other human being uh, have this deep desire and this, this longing within us to be connected with others in meaningful, lasting relationships. It's a longing that's been hardwired into us from, from, by God in creation. Now, from the very beginning, uh, God designed the family uh, to, to be this, this, uh, the primary structure of the way that we experience these friendships. And that's why uh, some theologians even call the family the masterpiece of creation. However, God's intention has always been to form actually a new family, a spiritual family by bringing uh, the human race together, united under Christ. And in fact, according to, to God, uh, this spiritual family or our spiritual family is even more important than our physical families because physical families don't last. And we, we know this. Children grow up. Uh, marriages and families break apart. People move away. People pass away. That's the reality. <clears throat> now, uh, over this, this last season... Um, especially. I, I've been thinking a lot about spiritual family, partly because of what I've witnessed during the pandemic, partly because of the trends I've seen over the last several years, partly because of the frustrations that people have expressed to me uh, who, who long for more uh, spiritual family, who, who long for the fullness of that, and, and partly because I've talked to, to many people who don't really care whether they're part of a spiritual family or not. And I've been asking myself uh, questions like, like, why is spiritual family so important? And why is being part of a spiritual family a non-negotiable in the eyes of God? And what does spiritual family bring to our lives today? Now, the Bible uh, speaks often about spiritual family and about spiritual community. And as we open our Bibles, uh, we discover that much of the Bible is actually written to and, and for people in community. In the Old Testament, much of what God says is directed toward his people and the nation of Israel, not to individuals. 
The same is true in the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament writings are, are written to and for a community of believers, not individual believers. Even though, truthfully, in North America, we tend to look at the Bible through our individualistic uh, viewpoint. But that's not how, how God intended it. In those days, it, it was inconceivable that any follower of Jesus Christ would ever try to walk out their faith alone or solo. And that's, that same truth should be true of us today. So here's my question for, for us as, as we begin. If this desire for family is hardwired into us uh, in creation, and if the true longing of our heart is to be in deep, meaningful relationship with others, and, and if you and I truly need uh, others to help us uh, be healthy physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. And if we really do need others in our life to complete us in what we're lacking, and if we really do need a spiritual family, uh, and if it's really vital to live out our faith and walk with Jesus, then why is finding true spiritual community such a hard thing to do today? And, and why are, are there not more of us making spiritual family a priority in our lives? And why do so many of us allow other lesser things to fill our schedules so that we have little time to experience true spiritual community with the body of Christ? Now, I know there are lots of reasons why this is, this is so. And some are, are, just, are just, they're there, right? So the brokenness of our world around us and the brokenness of families, that impacts the time that we have. Some of you are, have experienced disappointed. You've tried to engage in spiritual family, and it hasn't gone as you thought it would, so now you're kind of pulling back and giving up. A busyness. What's the common phrase? How are you doing today? Busy. Like, we're all busy, right? And that busyness pulls us out of that. Even our affluence uh, has allowed us to, to do things that, that past generations never used to do, like chase after our kids all over creation. Like, like go on holidays uh, regularly. And sometimes, you know, to be honest, we're just short-sighted. We, we're, we're missing out the value of spiritual community, and we don't realize it until we need it. And then sometimes it's too late to build. But none of these challenges change the truth. And the truth is, is that spiritual family is God's design for us. And being part of a spiritual family is a non-negotiable in the eyes of God. Now, uh, again, there are many reasons why I, I say this and why I say that spiritual family is non-negotiable. But for today, we're going to look at, at three reasons the author of Hebrews presents in the text that I read earlier this morning. And in, in the verses, in particular, verses 22 to 25, we're going to see three directives that we're expected to act on as the people of God. The first is, in verse 22, uh, let us draw near to God in faith. The second is, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And the third one is, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to put those, those three things in the context of spiritual community and just try and reframe our thinking around that as we dig in. And what I want you to understand is that drawing near to God is actually 
a community endeavor. It's not just for us to do by ourselves. And holding fast uh, to God is not just something we try and do to ourselves and hold on for dear life. It's actually a community project. It's a community endeavor. And loving others and doing good deeds in, is actually a community project, a community endeavor. Now, let, let me expand on, on what I mean by these things. The first one is, is, together we draw near to God in faith. Verse 22. You know, the verse is up there for you, so you can read it. I'm not going to take time to do that. But um, I, I spoke on this verse a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to repeat myself. But what I, I want you to notice today is that we need our spiritual family to help us draw close to God. And, and let me help you understand that by asking you a few questions. Um, don't, you don't have to put your hand up, but just answer them internally. Have you ever found yourself far from God? Have you, has there been a time in your life where your heart was cold and indifferent to God or the ways of God? Has there ever been an event in your life or a circumstance in your life when, when your heart actually hardened towards God? Has there ever been a time in your life when, when you chose to follow the desires of your flesh rather than the ways of God? Now, my guess is that many of us could raise our hand to one or more of these questions in affirmation. But let me ask you uh, another question. How did you find your way back to God? How did you find your way back to God? Now, now certainly, as Grace even prayed, the Spirit of God is ultimately the one who draws us back into relationship with the Father. He's the one who, who turns our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. He's the one who convicts us of our sin and brings us to a place of repentance. But often, in that process, God uses others in the spiritual family to play a significant and crucial supporting role in this process. You know, see, like, we are his body, and we are his hands and feet. Now, I think about, you know, various times in my life where my heart was growing cold and distant. And as I reflect, reflected back on this this past week, I realized that it was the spiritual family that came around me that God used to bring me back to Him. You know, sometimes it was through a word of challenge. Sometimes it was through a word of rebuke. Sometimes it was through a timely prayer. Sometimes it was through a word of encouragement. And sometimes it was just simply by someone's consistent presence in my life who refused to give up on me and abandon me. Now, I, I can tell you uh, of many stories of people I know in this room personally who are here because someone in the family of God loved them and prayed for them and pursued them and made time for them and processed life with them until their hearts returned to God. Maybe that's you. And, and, and if it is you, uh, go thank the person today that helped you come back because God used them and you experience what it means to be part of a spiritual family. You see, drawing near to God is not an individual endeavor. It's a community undertaking. So even today, if you find yourself in a place where your heart has grown cold and, and distant from God, and you're ready to give up on Him, 
It's okay to have those, those doubts and things, but don't disengage from your spiritual family because they may be very well the way that you find your back, way back to God. Okay, so that's the first point. Review. <laughs> Second point. Together, we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And the verse goes on, uh, we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now let me remind you of the context of the book of Hebrews. It was written to a group of, of believers who are facing you know, significant trials in life. In the very next chapter, chapter 11, we hear about some of the awful things that were done to people as they were martyred for their faith. It wasn't easy to be a follower of Jesus in those days. The Romans were persecuting the Christians, and the Jewish leaders were attacking the Christians because they didn't believe in Jesus, and they didn't like the people that followed the way. And so there was this tremendous pressure on people. And as a result, followers of Christ were, were really tempted to, to drift away from God and, and from the people of God because of the pressure they were facing even to their own lives. And maybe that's why in the next verse, the author says, don't, you know, don't stop meeting together. Because he saw that happening. And several times throughout the book of Hebrews, uh, the author reminds his readers to hold on tightly to the hope that they have. Hebrews 3.6, hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we, in, in which we glory. Uh, Hebrews 4.14, let us hold firmly to the faith that we uh, profess. And then he reminds them that their hope is based on the faithfulness of God's promises. And he encourages them to look at God's character and that realize that he's worthy of our trust. Hebrews 6.11, Hebrews 6 has this a few times. He says, uh, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Verse 18 says, take hold of the hope set before us. Verse 19 says, this hope is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And then Hebrews 11, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of things unseen. So let me again ask you a couple of questions just to, to reframe some things in, in, your, in your mind. And be honest with yourself here. Have you ever had serious questions or doubts about God and your Christian faith? I actually had that question asked of me this last week in our life group. You know, most of us have had, you know, serious questions about our, our Christian faith at some point. Have you ever questioned whether God is, if, if God is truly good because of something that happened or didn't happen in your life or the life of someone that you love? Have you ever questioned if you're really saved? Have you ever doubted whether you're really forgiven? Have you ever been so discouraged in life and in the circumstances you found yourself in that you want to give up and just abandon your faith? Have you ever questioned whether God could actually transform you into this new creation he promised that we would become? Again, my guess is that many of us would be able to raise our hand to multiple questions there. We all have moments or incidents 
that cause us to have a crisis of belief. And for me, a crisis of belief is where it's a crossroad where I have to decide, is God really who he says he is? And do I keep on following him? Or do I abandon God and go my own ways? Though those crises of belief come in our life all the time. Sometimes they're small, but they're still a a moment. And sometimes they're huge. They're they're life-defining for us. So let me ask you one more question. When you were at your lowest, and when your doubt was the greatest, what helped you not give up on your faith and abandon God? What helped you? Now, again, for me, it, it has been the people of God. It, it's been, been uh, my ability to come alongside people who I know and trust and just share my burden rather than holding it on to myself. Again, that's what the, Satan wants us to do, right? He wants us to hold things on ourselves and think that we have to tough it out and not share our burdens with other people. Sometimes it's, it's asking for prayer. Sometimes it was supporting me in challenging circumstances or, or, or sitting down and, and wrestling through and processing these difficult questions in life that, that aren't going to be answered in a single conversation. They're just part of who we are. You see, um, we need our spiritual family to help us hold unswervingly to the faith. And because of the new covenant, together we hold fast to God in hope. Because he who promised is faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to thousands of generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. We need him to be the anchor of our souls. We need to anchor our faith in God's faithfulness. But how do we do that when we're not seeing God's faithfulness in our lives? Because that happens to us, right? How do we do that? Well, this is again when the spiritual family comes in. We listen to others in our spiritual family share their stories of God's faithfulness. That's one of the reasons I love Sundays like last Sunday where we, we just took an hour to hear testimonies of what God was doing in people's lives. That's one of the reasons that one of the favorite sermon series of all time was, was where no pastors <laughs> preached, which was hurtful, to be honest, but I understand it. And it was where, where we had story after story of sharing God's faithfulness. Remember the series? It was called This One Thing I Know. Remember, is I don't know everything, but this one thing I know. Uh, even in the, on the wall out there, there's people that says, that was the best series ever. And, and why? It's, it's because when we're feeling overwhelmed in life, or discouraged or disheartened by the things we're facing, we need to lean into our spiritual family and hear the stories of, their, of God's faithfulness in their life. We need to lean into our spiritual family and have them who has faith in that moment pray for us that our faith would be strong. We need to have them share time and time again these wonderful stories of God's faithfulness. And, and we need to pray that God in his mercy and his grace would send along real people with flesh and blood to come alongside us in the season where we're hurting the most as a way of him showing his kindness that he has not forgotten us, that he sees us and he still loves us and he's there for us. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess 
for he who promised is faithful. Okay, third. Together, we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Okay, so drawing near to God is a community event. Holding fast to God is a community endeavor. But we also need each other to love. And that's why the scripture says we should never stop meeting together. We need to be a, a spiritual family that spurs one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, it says in, in the scripture, and let us consider how. That word consider is used one other time in the book of Hebrews. And it's, it's, you, it says something different, but it's the same Greek word. And that's in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. This is what it says. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That, that uh, phrase, fix your thoughts, is the same word that's used, consider. And so what, what the author is really saying here is in light of the fact that we have access to God, and as we draw near to him, our focus is to fix our thoughts on others in our spiritual family. That our, our focus is on the lives and needs of the people around us. The author doesn't say, be loving and do good deeds. He says, consider others and spur them on towards love and good deeds. In other words, we are to help people in our spiritual family be more loving and engage in more good deeds. Now, the word there is spur. Most of you probably get, our, you know, get an understanding of this from uh, watching old Western movies. And spurs are, are worn by cowboys to aid riders to communicate, communicate commands, and, and they help guide the, the movements of the horse. Other versions use, use the word motivate or provoke. I'm going to put a Latinism in here. Okay, so here's the, the, the term I want to use is push buttons. Okay? Now, I grew up in a family. I had two brothers and a sister that was very close in age. Believe me, we knew how to push each other's buttons. Brenda and I have three boys. We watched them push each other's buttons. And we have two adorable grandkids who are one and three, and they know how to push each other's buttons already. When you know someone well, especially in a family context, you know what buttons to push to get a reaction. And uh, most of the time, we, we push people's buttons to get a negative reaction. But in this passage, uh, the author is saying that we should know our spiritual family well enough to know what buttons to push to get uh, the best out of us, to provoke us and, and, and uh, them, us, to, to love and, and good deeds. Quick hockey story here, and, and it's not about the orders. <clears throat> but I, I caught part of a, a hockey game in the first round. It was uh, the Rangers playing Pittsburgh Penguins. And one of the Rangers, Zibanejev, is that, am I saying his name right? Uh, he, he either scored a goal or almost scored a goal. And the first thing he did when he got back to the bench is he grabbed the, the little uh, iPad and he started looking at, at the, his, what he did. And the captain of the team was sitting beside him. He grabbed the iPad and he threw it across the, the, the bench. I don't know if any of you saw that. And he turned to him and he says, like, focus on the game, buddy. Okay? Well, they won that series. And they're in game seven of the next series because the, the people are provoking them to do what is right and, and good. One of the things that I 
did regularly as youth pastor was take our youth group on mission trips to Mexico. And I did this for, for many reasons, but one of the main reasons was because I knew that being around uh, these quality missionaries, uh, people who, who had given their lives to serve Jesus by loving and serving the poor Mexico, would, would spur our youth on towards love and good deeds. In fact, it was almost impossible for us to see how they loved and how they authentically and sacrificially served the people who God brought in front of them, you know, to serve them with this, this great, genuine love and sacrifice that, that would not change us to want to do the same thing. And, and this is really a picture of what the author is describing in this passage. We need to be around others so that we are mutually provoked to do good deeds. And that's why we should never give up being together as some are in the habit of doing. We, we actually need each other. We need people in our lives to motivate us to be better in the way that we love one another. We need, uh, others to, to for, we need to forge such deep and genuine relationships with others that we, that we might be able to lovingly help them do the same thing in good deeds. And I was thinking about that, like, what would happen? What would happen if, if we became a church or a, a group of communities that knew how to push each other's buttons towards love and good deeds? And what would happen if, if all of a sudden that caught fire and we began to, to do, to love better and to do more good deeds to those inside the church family and to the watching world and longing world around us? It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be breathtaking. It would be powerful. It would be transfer transformational. It would be life-giving. It would break down barriers. It would heal hurts. It would open doors for us to easily share the message of Jesus Christ and the good news that he is. And that's what the church is supposed to be about. And that's why the author says, don't give up meeting together. We gather together together. Uh, regularly with one another because we need others to spur us on. Now, I guarantee one thing, and that is that you will never be as loving as God wants you to be or do all the good deeds God wants you to do if you're not in community with others. Even if you're the nicest person who attends his church faithfully every week, if you're not in community with others where they're provoking you and pushing your buttons, you're going to miss out on the life of love and service that God has designed for us. Now, last Sunday, if you were with us, uh, you heard the stories of a few people who are beginning to live in this kind of community, a community where they help each other draw near to God in this daily renewal of the heart, a community where they help each other hold tightly to the sure hope of their faith amidst the storms and trials that threaten to shipwreck all of our lives, in a community where they love each other and trust each other enough to, to, to provoke and spur and poke each other towards love and good deeds. And what we are calling these groups is life groups. And they are the place for us to forge this kind of deep community, not a Sunday morning. A community where we live together, where we mutually encourage one another towards these things. And I just want to close by just sharing very briefly our vision for spiritual family moving forward. You see, coming out of this, the pandemic, we've realized that we are not the spiritual family that we need to be or long to be. And, and somehow, 
we have to figure this out because the stakes are so high. And so our ask is going to be this next year that every single person who calls Ebenezer their home is part of a smaller community called the Life Group where they can do life together and do the things that I just spoke about. And next week, Pastor Kelly is going to expand on this, and he's going to look at more of what it means to be a spiritual family together. And he's going to help us understand what it would mean for us to renew our commitment to be a spiritual family together. But the bottom line is this. We need each other. And we need to renew our commitment to be a spiritual family together. And this is a critical time for us. So, um, as I said at our vision nights, the staff is leaning in, and we need you to lean in too. It's a two-way thing. You know, if one person's leaning into something and the other person's leaning out, the end result is still the same as both people leaning out. It's not going to work. But if we both lean in and say, we're going to be something and do something together, it's going to change us. Let me pray. Father, thank you for our church family. And, and thank you for all the relationships that you have established here over the years. And in this next season, help us to strengthen those and help us to build new relationships as we walk with you. And so, by your grace and by your mercy, will you stir in us this deep longing to be a spiritual family together because we know this is your way and this is your plan and this is your method for us to walk with you. And so God, thank you again for the truth of your word and may it impact us today as we obey it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.